You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Norwegian intelligence services accuse China of cyber industrial espionage. More ransomware in German hospitals is under investigation. Brazilian carding operations grow in technical and marketing sophistication. Snapchat employee data are successfully phished using an email that falsely claimed to communicate instructions from the CEO. The IRS says data loss in the Get Transcript breach is much worse than initially thought. Cyber stocks are lifted by positive earning reports, depressed by analyst downgrades. Some Apple users seem to regard their iPhones as their confessionals. Our theological consultant shakes his head. I'm Dave Bittner in San Francisco with your CyberWire Daily Podcast for Monday, February 29th, 2016. We're at RSA today, podcasting from the floor of the world's leading cybersecurity conference and exposition. Before we take a look at the conference's first day events, we'll offer our customary rundown on cyber news from around the world. First, some news from Norway. That country's intelligence service in a report that highlights assessment of Russian and Chinese intelligence services as major threats to Norway details Chinese espionage targeting energy and defense sectors. Norway's oil industry makes it an important source of gas and oil production intellectual property. Its NATO membership also promises access to defense technology. And the report claims that technology stolen from Norwegian networks has turned up in some of China's military systems. In the U.K., hacktivists claiming allegiance to ISIS and calling themselves Caliphate Cyber Army follow their familiar pattern of defacing lightly secured targets of opportunity, in this case the website of U.K. Solar, a small manufacturer of solar panels in Sussex. The ransomware incident that hit the healthcare sector with the most energy this month was, of course, the Lockheed attack that affected Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center in Los Angeles. But an earlier infestation was observed in Germany at Lucas Krankenhaus in Neuss. Two more ransomware incidents have been reported in Germany, both in Nordrhein-Westfalen. Kniken Arnsberg says it sustained a ransomware attack, but that patient care was unaffected. A second unnamed hospital was also hit and has taken steps to isolate its critical networks. Police are investigating all three incidents. Trustwave's researchers find another widely used website, extendooffice.com, distributing the Angler exploit kit and its customary payload of TeslaCrypt ransomware. Fighter POS, a strain of -of point-of-sale malware active largely in Brazil, has acquired worm-like capabilities that enhance its ability to spread across payment networks. Fighter POS steals payment card details, and a Brazilian site is offering validation services on the black market to assist criminals with monetization of stolen cards. 
validated cards fetch a premium price among criminals. Trend Micro is tracking the episode. Snapchat has apparently sustained a successful phishing attack and exposure of employee data. The phishing email claimed to be from the company's CEO. It was, of course, not, and asked for a transmission of payroll information. The incident affords another object lesson in the importance of skepticism in the face of apparent executive communications. Unfortunately, said Snapchat in a blog post, the phishing email wasn't recognized for what it was, a scam, and payroll information about some current and former employees was disclosed externally. The company is understandably reticent about the information that was exposed and has referred the matter to law enforcement for investigation. The U.S. Internal Revenue Service has revised upward by some 390,000 the number of taxpayers whose information was stolen from weekly secured IRS sites. Known as the Get Transcript Breach, a Treasury investigation into the incident reported late Friday. Information compromised is said by non-Treasury sources to include Social Security account numbers, dates of birth, and street addresses. These are thought to have been used to bypass multi-factor authentication in other attempts on taxpayer data. Some good industry news at the end of last week, notably a strong earnings report from Palo Alto Networks, has lifted not only Palo Alto but other stocks as well, notably Checkpoint and Fortinet. Other story stocks drop, however, on analyst downgrades. The Baltimore Sun ran a story this morning sharing the news that Federal Hill cybersecurity startup Terbium Labs raised $6.4 million in venture capital funding. In the story, Terbium CEO Danny Rogers said the funds were aimed at improving Matchlight, their system designed to detect when a company's stolen information is posted online. And the Apple-FBI face-off will resume this week. Some observers have now begun arguing that some sort of privilege analogous to attorney-client privilege, or even the seal of the confessional, ought to apply to Apple. Whether Cupertino actually entertains such ambitions remains to be seen. Stay tuned. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. 
Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science and the director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center, one of our academic and research partners. Uh, Jonathan, uh, when we're talking about encryption, uh, we hear a lot about uh, bit depth. Uh, for example, in the recent Apple case, uh, Apple talks about, they claim that they're using 256-bit key uh, encryption. Um, give me an idea, when, there's, when they say that, what does 256-bit key length mean? Well, the strength of the key or the strength of the encryption that's being used is directly related to the length of the key. Uh, that's at least the case for uh, symmetric key algorithms like we're talking about here. And uh, essentially, if your encryption algorithm is good enough, then the only way to break it is to do a brute force search or an enumeration of all possible keys that can be used. So if you have, let's say, a 4-bit key, that means you have 2 to the 4 or 16 different possibilities, which isn't uh, very much. If you have a 256-bit key, then the number of possibilities for the key is 2 to the 256, which is an astronomically large number. And essentially what that means is that every bit you add on to the key is going to double the difficulty of doing a brute force search for the key. So as computing power increases, is, is it inevitable that today's uncrackable encryption will be crackable in the future? Well, that's a great question. Uh, and it turns out, actually, that you can do the calculation and you can see exactly how long it might take to do a brute force search over keys of a particular length. And, uh, for example, if you imagine that you have a computer that's capable of uh, checking a key uh, once every computer cycle, and it's been running, say, I don't know, since the beginning of the universe, uh, then it turns out if you do the calculation, you get that you can search through a 96-bit key space. So it looks pretty, pretty safe that, to say that uh, we're not going to be cracking keys that long anytime soon. And, in fact, you can even use the laws of physics to get an upper bound on how many keys you could potentially search through. Uh, there's a calculation online somewhere where if you even extract all the energy coming out of the sun and, uh, and do this brute force searching over the time scale of the universe, you can search through about uh, keys of length 187 bits. So 256-bit keys look pretty safe until we start computing with things uh, other than matter and energy. All right, so we're safe for the time being, uh, but uh, why use a key that complex? Are, are, is, there a, is there a computational um, penalty for using a key that's that complex? Right, well, well so what, everything I was talking about so far assumes that the best way to attack the system is a brute force search over the entire space of possible keys. And so from that point of view, a 256-bit key would protect you forever. Uh, the concern that people have, of course, is that the encryption algorithm may not be perfect. Somebody five or ten years from now may come up with a method to break the encryption scheme that's slightly faster than a brute force search. And so you want protection even in the event that people are able to kind of uh, shave a few bits off the effective strength of the key. Uh, people are also concerned about the possibility of quantum computers that might be able to speed up the attack. It's still, uh, the jury's still out over whether that's uh, actually possible in practice. But the theory says that um, on a quantum computer, you can cut the effective key strength in half. So from that point of view, a 256-bit key would have only the strength of a 128-bit key against a quantum computer. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.